Good day and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm really glad that you are here with us. So last week's flooding has been devastating for thousands of families here in Metro Detroit. And I have to say, this damage in Detroit itself just keeps standing out to me over and over and over. The most vulnerable parts of our population seem to have been part of the hardest hit. And there just are not good answers for how they can get the help that they need to clean up their basements, repair their homes, get back to normal. I don't think anybody really saw this coming, and unfortunately, there are not a lot of answers out there. Almost seven inches of rain fell in a matter of hours last week, and it overwhelmed our stormwater infrastructure and flooded a lot of roadways and streets and basements. All kinds of people are still reeling. So we've been talking at length this week on the show about ways we've neglected to address both climate and infrastructure issues here in Michigan and the role that a lack of investment and preparation is playing in these floods, which are happening with more frequency as storms intensify and also grow in frequency. The Great Lakes Water Authority is one of the several local agencies that play a role in our water infrastructure here in southeast Michigan. And we wanted to talk with someone from DWSD, the Water and Sewage Department here in Detroit, and from Gliwa on Monday when we were talking about the storms with people who were affected Uh, We weren't able to do that, but here today to talk about what has been going on to address and prepare for these ever-persistent rain events is the Gliwa CEO, Sue McCormick. Sue, welcome back to Detroit Today. Well, good morning, Stephen, and thank you for the opportunity to chat with you today about these very critical issues facing our region. Yeah. So I want to start uh, kind of at at a... ground level, I guess, uh, with this discussion, you know, there's a lot of complexity around how the different agencies here interact and work together to maintain and build our water infrastructure. So if you could give us a brief overview of the role that GLIWA plays in overseeing the systems that we rely on, I think that would be a great place to start. I'll do my best. The Uh, The Great Lakes Water Authority is a regional treatment services provider. And think about it from that standpoint. We treat drinking water at our five water treatment plants. We have very large transmission mains and and pump stations that move that water to the doorstep of communities. The local communities have their local infrastructure where they provide fire hydrant protection to the community. They provide the local distribution. They provide the metering, the customer service, the billing. They have the day-to-day interaction with their constituents. We are in partnership in their ability to deliver safe drinking water to the residents and their communities. And we serve about uh, nearly 4 million people mm. in Southeast Michigan with the treatment services that we provide on water. Mm. The sewer side, the system's a little smaller Uh, We're smaller from the standpoint of our footprint. Our footprint is largely within areas in Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb counties. Again, they have local collection systems. They have local storage where necessary. They have local permits for how they handle their local systems. 
they have lift stations, again, pump stations that will take their sewerage to points of connection with the GLWA system, which then receives that sewerage, in many cases, combined sewerage. And we take that through our system. We also manage combined sewer overflow facilities, as well as pump stations and the region's large wastewater treatment facility. So this is very much a partnership with all of the communities that we serve. And frankly, we all have the same goal, which is to improve our infrastructure and reduce the impact of wet weather events of this magnitude on people and on, an, and on the environment. Mm -hmm. so At this moment, we actually have been working together to address issues like the flooding facing the communities this week. So uh, talk about Gliwa's systems and how they performed last week when these storms rolled through and, and overwhelmed different parts of the system. How much of what Gliwa is responsible for uh, was part of that failure? Well, I'll, I'll start by saying that, you know, the flooding that occurred this week was caused by an unprecedented storm of epic proportions that delivered as you noted, more than seven inches of rain in 13 hours. Uh, this is typically more rain that falls during the entire month of June and about 25% of what we get annually. It certainly did overwhelm the systems. But I wanna make clear, really the flooding was not caused by any single pumping station or any single element within the regional system. Uh, that said, are there things that happened? Uh, I wanna make sure the public understands that there are things that happened. You know, the current system functioned at its capacity in the circumstances that we had. But uh, what we also want to take note of is the fact that uh, two pump stations in particular have had some, we've had some conversation about. Uh, the first of those is our fruit pump station. It is a stormwater only pump station. So its only function is during those major rain events. We had some circumstances that we were dealing with. One of the circumstances was there's two electrical service lines from two separate substations that feed fruit, and one of those was interrupted. Um, so the staff worked through that issue and was able to use all of the pumps that were available to us uh, in spite of the fact that we had that interruption, but it did limit our ability for operations at fruit. At Connor Creek, which is a uh, facility that pumps wastewater, but also has significant capacity during storm events, uh, we had some in-house circumstances. We don't know whether there are some external circumstances that complicated that as well, but we were able to pump with five out of the six pumps that give us firm capacity at that station. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I am thankful that the staff that worked through all of this uh, did the very best they could in the circumstances we had, uh, but certainly uh, in spite of the fact that we had all of that capacity available, it certainly could not address the capacity of this particular storm. And I would say no combined sewer system could have functioned to eliminate flooding in a situation as significant as the one we had. Uh, so, we don't want to do better. Yeah. It doesn't mean we don't want to do better. You know, across the country, infrastructure is in need of major upgrades. And in that process, we all need to look at our options to be resilient in the face of these weather pattern changes. And we've seen the emphasis at the local, regional, and national level in recent uh, funding discussions acknowledging that much of what is needed can't be supported uh, by local charges and investments. And certainly uh, 
some of the conversation about federal funding coming is how do we address these sorts of resilient issues in the face of climate change? Mm. So, so I have two really specific questions to just follow up on what you were just talking about. The first is about uh, Connor Creek, uh, that pumping station on Detroit's east side. That failure, I think everyone seems to believe, is largely responsible for this massive flooding on Detroit's east side and in the Gross Points. Macomb County Public Works Commissioner Candace Miller has been asking publicly for information about whether human error played a role uh, in that situation. Can you can you first address that? Yes, I don't believe that that's the case. We staff the Connor Creek pump station uh, during rain events like this and understand the the rain event was predicted at one and a half inches. We staff the station in anticipation of a rain event. Uh, that's our standard protocol. Uh, we, when we had the situation at Fruit, one of the electricians that we had on site went to Fruit to make sure that we were doing the very best we could there. They returned to Connor when we had what we think may have been a house power failure issue. That was literally two minutes. And then the pumps were back on. Uh, so... You know, the, the question about staffing, what were the, was the facility appropriately staffed given the situation that was coming? Yes. Uh, were there staffing errors? Not that we are aware of at this point, but understand we are just as interested in understanding everything that happened, the sequence of how it happened, whether we could have done anything better uh, than we did given the circumstances that we had. Uh, and in that event, we we are planning on doing an after event analysis, but we've also recommended an independent analysis be done by consultants who report directly to our board to see if there are things that could have been done better or that can be done better in the future. Hmm. And and my my second uh, question uh, about what you were talking about is. So people in this community are always talking about how much we pay for water. It's not a little bit. Uh, the water rates are high. Uh, we, we pay for sewage and, and stormwater and all of those kind of things. Uh, there, there are fees that certain people pay for drainage and things like that. And, and it adds up in, in people's budgets. But I also know that we have this incredible backlog of maintenance and repair and upgrade to all of the systems that has been around for a really long time. So I, I would love for you to put a number on what's necessary to, to, to upgrade our system and fix it so that these things at least would be less likely to happen. Uh, and then talk about where you think that money could come from. We're, we're already paying so much for the system. It's hard to imagine that you would be able to convince Metro Detroiters to pay a lot more uh, to, to make things better. Stephen, I think you hit it on the nail head. Therein lies the challenge. Uh, one of the things that we did, I think, as a regional authority was we had the ability to convene a conversation with all of our partners and many stakeholders, watershed groups, our regulatory agency, and others in the region over the course of about 18 months to talk about what do we need to do, particularly with the wastewater system. That conversation started with a really simple philosophy. The pipes don't know the boundaries. There's been a tremendous amount of regional investment to deal with things like uh, this type of control during these kind of major events from the standpoint of protecting the environment, protecting our constituents in every community, making sure that we understand the role in economic development. There was a very broad perspective here 
And in that process, we said, okay, if we were going to solve this forever, one of the things we would need to do is separate these two systems. Mm -hmm. That's a tremendous undertaking. Across the region, the number that was put on that to, to separate the sewer water from these combined systems was 17 to $18 billion. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to give you perspective on that. In, the, in Detroit alone, to date, all of the facilities that have been put in place to deal with storm events have been about a billion dollars in investment. So this is many times fold that in order to really truly separate these systems. I would call the question, is it feasible for us to do that? And if it is feasible, over what period of time, but where does that funding come from? We know the enormous challenges, particularly some of our uh, most economically challenged communities have with today's charges that represent both the work that GLWA does, but also these responsibilities that the local systems have as well. There is no easy answer to this. And, and I want to be clear that that really looked at the sewer system. It didn't look at where we have separate stormwater systems and understanding those have their challenges as well and contributed to a different type of flooding in many areas in the region. Mm. So, so again, 17, for us. 17 to $18 billion is what you're saying we would need just to get done the separation of the stormwater and the sewage systems, which is really just one part of what we need to upgrade and repair and modernize the system. Is that right? Yes. yes. And if we're focusing on Detroit alone, I, my recollection of the number was that for Detroit alone, it would be about $8 billion. Wow. Wow. I, I, I want to take a couple of calls. I know we have to let you go really quickly, but I, I do want to get a couple of uh, important questions in here before we do. Uh, Sanaa and uh, Jefferson Chalmers, uh, go ahead with your questions for Sue McCormick. Are you there, Sanaa? Oh, yes, I'm here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't know if you could say my name. Yeah. <laughs> I am so disenchanted with the Detroit with the Great Lakes Water and Sewers Company, ever since they took over, our rates are being increased yearly. The rates were increased during the pandemic. We are being charged sewage, sewage, which is twice the amount of water in Detroit and even more than that in like Inkster. Being charged for drainage. We were told that we could use water rain barrels to try to minimize the cost of drainage mm -hmm. and um, to try to help with runoff. Mm -hmm. And yet we are in, we're paying all this extra uh, money. Where is the money that we're supposed to be paying to improve the infrastructure? Where is it going? Mm -hmm. Obviously it's not working. Where's the money going? Mm -hmm. So now that is the question of the week for sure. If not the question of the year here uh, in, in Southeast Michigan, as we kind of face all of these, these issues. And that, that's why I really wanted you to ask that question as a consumer. Sue, you and I were just talking about the money that we need and that we don't have, but Sanaa's question really is about the question, the, the money that we are paying and, and gets back to what I was saying earlier about how much we do pay for water and sewage and stormwater here in, in Southeast Michigan. Can you give her an idea of, what's being done with that money to upgrade and improve things. Yes, and, and of course, the issues that are raised here are issues of costs in both the regional system and the local system, because we are both working on infrastructure improvements. So I'm, I'm going to speak just to the regional system um, uh, and, and acknowledge that the local charges really support much more than that. Um, so in the 
I want to talk a little bit about the five years that GLWA has been operating. Uh, we have been focusing on making improvements in the system and, and in the efforts to mitigate the storms. So, so, you know, in response to the 2016 rain event, we invested about 5 million in new electrical controls and miscellaneous equipments to the fruit pump station, about 2 million in pump restoration and upgrades of the vacuum priming system, and about 7.8 million in improvements to the Gates electrical and control systems at the Connor Creek. That's specific to those facilities. But it, it shouldn't be lost that we're investing much more than that, well, you know, well over $100 million a year in capital improvements in, uh, in the system. And in fact, currently we have $410 million in capital investments in the regional collection system underway. We're planned to start shortly just on Detroit's east side. And that includes $100 million in the rehabilitation of the Detroit River Interceptor, which is in construction. 50 million in rehabilitation of the Fairview pump station that's in construction, and 250 million on replacement of the Connor Creek pump station that's currently in design. And certainly we'll use our observations from this rain event and its impact on the pump station to review the proposed design. We've also uh, have a five and a half million dollar investment to do a full condition assessment of all our combined sewer overflow facilities. So it is not that the GLWA is not making significant investments and certainly the charges support that. But, but I would also point out that since GLWA has launched on average, our uh, adjustments in our charges to our communities has been on average less than 2%. And, and in the year that is beginning in July, we actually had a decrease on the wastewater side. We've been able to accomplish that by very wise and efficient system operation uh, and turning any of those savings into the ability to support our capital investment program. Mm -hmm. So um, I, hope, I hope that's responsive to the caller. Yeah. I know the situation is extremely frustrating. All of our constituents expect us to protect them from the most egregious circumstances and the system does not have the capability to do that. Mm -hmm. So now thank you for the question and uh, Sue, thank you for the answer. Uh, very quickly, I wanna go to Aaron and Jefferson Chalmers who's got a, a similar question. Aaron, go ahead. Yes, I have yet to hear a straight answer as to why the Connors Creek pump failed. I live in Jefferson Chalmers, my basement was flooded no one has told me why it failed and how this can be avoided in the future. If it lost power, why wasn't there a backup generator that kicked in? Mm. Uh, great question, Aaron. Uh, Sue, can, can, you, can you help Aaron understand this? Sure. In the first place, I'd start by saying the Carter Creek pump station did not fail. At no pump, at no point did we have no pumping going on at Connor Creek. What we did have was a momentary, what I would call house power issue. In other words, pumps remained pumping, but the lights flickered, we had some dimming, uh, that sort of thing happened, but the pump station did not fail. In fact, at uh, the peak of the storm, we had five pumps running. And understand these pumps can't all come on at the same time. They require a certain head. Because of the amperage that they draw, you can only bring them on in increments of about six minutes. Uh, and so pumps were brought on as quickly as they could be brought, brought on. Was there some momentary delay because of the house power issue? I'll acknowledge that, uh, but it should not be anybody's view that the pump station failed. It did not fail. So, so why did the flooding 
that people are seeing on the east side, um, you know, and in the gross points. Why did that happen if the pump didn't fail? Was it just overwhelmed? It was overwhelmed like the systems were overwhelmed everywhere. The freeway systems were overwhelmed. I understand they had contributing factors as well. Mm -hmm. These stations are not designed for storms of this magnitude. That's exactly what I mean when I say there's major investments to come if we're going to make our systems resilient to the kind of storm we had. Understand the moniker that, that the climatologists locally are putting on this storm is that it was a thousand year storm, which means the, the frequency of this, if you compare it to some of the storms that we've had in recent times, are tenfold mm-hmm. the water that was delivered. And it was delivered in a in sudden bursts over very short periods of time. The intensity of this storm was immense. Okay. Uh, Sue McCormack, I, I really do appreciate you being here with us on Detroit Today and uh, and talking with our listeners and your customers in some cases about uh about what happened and what lies ahead of us. 17 to $18 billion. That number is going to stick in my mind uh, for a really long time. I can't believe uh, it's quite that much to, to try to make this system more resilient, as you say, to, to these kinds of storms. Sue, so, I, I really do appreciate you being here, though. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Stephen. And again, that's, that's one approach. There's other options for to solve it. That's the level of investment we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to take a look at the cost of our aging population here in Michigan and around the country. Birth rates continue to plummet and the nation is getting older. What does that mean for our culture, our economy, and our workforce? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.